Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. Good morning, church. If you want to open up your Bible to Psalm 37. I was preparing a cute little message for us this past week, and then Friday happened. I was in the bookstore uh, with Josie and Ezekiel, about to read them a book they picked up, and I glanced at my phone, and my wife just texted me saying, Roe v. Wade just got overturned. And I'm thinking about that. And I'm thinking about that, and then I'm trying to read them a book, and I'm caught in two worlds. <laughs> but I feel this morning an honor and a privilege to speak about this issue. And when you think about how historic this moment is, I want the word of God to speak first. I have my thoughts and my opinions, which I believe are based on the word, but I think it's really, really important we allow God's word speak to us. And then I'm going to hand it over to someone else to speak about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. This is a moment for, I believe, the church to celebrate and thank Jesus for what he has done. I text Marilyn this past week over at Options for Women, and she said, every Christian should be rejoicing. And then she said a whole bunch of other stuff, but she said, every Christian should be rejoicing. And so I'm rejoicing in my heart. I believe as a body, part of this morning as we're worshiping, we're rejoicing. There's still a lot of work to be done. Psalm 37, we're just going to read through most of this and allow God to speak to us. Verse 1, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off because those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. 
For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him. For he sees that his day is coming, and the wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous." The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish. Into the smoke they shall vanish away. Go down to verse 25. I have been young. And now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide or slip. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree, yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright. For the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we're thanking you because you have, you have spoken and that you have decided to move and to overturn something that was an abomination before you. God, we thank you for your justice. And I pray this morning we would love justice within our hearts, that we would speak the truth of your word no matter what it cost us. And we celebrate you. We thank you. We praise you, O living God. For you have not given up on this people. You have not left us to ourselves. 
but you have called us to an inheritance. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to pass uh, the mic to our sister and mother, uh, Marie Jenkins. If Marie wants to begin to make her way up here, let's give it up for her as she does. As I was preparing, if I'm being honest with you, as I mentioned, yes. <laughs> you know, when, when Barry and Dave and I make the preaching schedule, we don't really have a rhyme or reason for it. We just say, hey, who wants which Sunday? And so this Sunday landed upon me, and it seems like when stuff happens, it, this, it's kind of my Sunday. But I'll say... <laughs> But in my heart, as I was praying this week, I'm like, Lord, I don't have the words to say. I don't know really what to say because this moment is bigger than just me. And um, I felt like Marie, just through her life of serving the Lord and praying for this issue of abortion in our country, she has sown and given, given herself to that way more than what I have. And so I thought it was very fitting and proper to let her um, speak what she's feeling, what she's sensing from the Lord. So if you guys would give her your attention, that would be awesome. Well, this is truly a historic day. And this is God's victory. This is God's victory. This is God's victory. Yes. And all of the glory goes to him. All of the honor, all of the thanksgiving, the victory is God's. Yes, amen. This is his day. This is his celebration. He did this. God did this. God has moved mightily. He's shown the power of his right arm, the strength of his right arm, and he has moved. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It seems like such a small thing. Thank you. I don't know what else to say, but we thank you. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Well, Brandon asked me if I would share a couple of areas, and one of the areas was my journey through these 50 years of praying concerning abortion. You know, I started thinking, so many of you here are young, and all of your life, there's been abortion in the world. But for those of us who are seasoned, <laughs> we grew up, we didn't, never even heard the word abortion. There were no abortion clinics that this was, did not exist. They were unheard of. So when this law was passed in 1973, I believe it was a couple years later, Jimmy Swaggart put out a monthly publication and his little magazine came and I opened it up and he had dedicated the whole magazine about abortion. 
It was very, very vivid. He had pictures that were very, very vivid. And I looked at that and I quickly closed that magazine. And I put it aside and I said, Lord, I can't do this. I don't want to know about this. I can't look at this. I don't know. I just, I can't, can't do this. Because this was so foreign to me. And the Lord said, you have to get that magazine and you have to open it up and you have to look at it and I want you to read every word in it because you have to receive my heart in this situation. He knew that my crying and my emotion was not going to carry me through 50 years of praying about this. I had to have his heart. I had to have his compassion. I had to have his sorrow. I had to have his grief to carry through all these years. You know, anything that we pray about, that we, we need to go to the Lord and get his heart. And then when we have his heart, we can pray in agreement with him. We can pray his heart, and he'll sustain us for however long it takes. So I did that, and then the prayer began. We did many things in those early years. There was a man named Randy Law who started Operation Rescue. And people would go to abortion clinics. Hundreds of people would go to abortion clinics, and they would block the entrance to the abortion clinic by laying down their whole bodies, bodies everywhere, just laying down. Diane and Barry were part of that rescue. We did that at the abortion clinic here in Lakeland. And they did, were doing that all across the nation. We're thankful for people like that. Terry, or Randy Law was arrested 40 times in taking a stand against abortion. <clears throat> I can remember many Sundays coming home from church and up and down Florida Avenue for miles. People were lined up on the sidewalk with signs standing against abortion. Here at our own church, the Maranatha students, you went out many, many times, stood in front of the abortion clinic. Tim, our Tim Connors, out there with his great big sign, faithful, every Friday. Maggie ministered to that one lady, and we got that baby saved. So many things, so many prayers, so many people working We wrote our congressman. When we went to the polls to vote, we tried to vote for people who were for right for life. And we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. I thank God for leaders like Lou Engel. Thank God he is alive to see this happen. He got to see this happen. But the influence that he had to draw people in to pray, praying, Praying, praying. Intercessors all across the nation. All of you praying. Everyone. Every sigh, every groan, every little prayer, no matter how tiny, how big, how long, how short, every prayer went into this. We watched God slowly unfold his plan 
over the years as he placed just the right person in to be a Supreme Court judge. And then another one, and then another one, and then another one. For such a time as this, that they would vote to pull this down. Hallelujah. Praise God. Brandon asked if I would share what kind of an impact this has on me now. I, I, I don't know how to put it into words, but we have hope. <clears throat> we have seen God move mightily. <clears throat> we have seen something that probably for a long time people thought it's never going to happen, and it has happened. God has gotten the victory. God has gotten the victory. God has gotten the victory. <clears throat> There's hope for babies. Hope for our babies. This just reinforces how faithful our God is. This reinforces how much we must trust God. He has a plan, and he's always working it. I remember years ago one day I was <clears throat> praying, and I think it was about abortion. I know it was something big <laughs> that you don't, you don't see results immediately about. <laughs> and I walked over to my living room window, and I was looking out my window, and I just sighed. It's like hopeless. And the Lord said, I'm the God of the invisible. And even though you don't see anything happening, I am working. I am working. I am sending out angels. I am sending out my word. I am releasing my authority. I am releasing the knowledge of me. And every time you pray, every time you groan, every time you sigh, every time you say the name of Jesus, I am sending out my work, my power, my authority, my glory. So, I don't know about you, but I'm just like, God is awesome. <laughs> Doesn't it just want to make you keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and keep praying? <clears throat> I think about one of my favorite scriptures. It's Psalm 33, 5. He loves righteousness and justice. That's what God, our God is about. He loves righteousness and he loves justice. And the earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. The earth really is full of the loving kindness and the goodness of the Lord. We get distracted and we start looking at all the darkness and all the perversion and all the defilement. But God's loving kindness and his goodness is in the earth. And his glory is in the earth. And that's what we need to focus on. That's what we need to look on. That's what we need to trust in. That's why we keep praying. That's why we keep praying. Isaiah 46, 10. My purpose will be established. That's what our God said. His purpose will be established. 
If it takes 50 years, it takes 50 years. But his will shall be established. And I will accomplish all my good pleasure. It was God's good pleasure to do this. It was God's good pleasure to do this. Oh, thank you, Lord. So we keep praying. We never give up. We keep praying. We don't doubt. We keep praying. We don't doubt. We keep praying. We don't doubt. We never give up. We never give up. Look what the Lord has done. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> I feel like there's something else that has happened in the atmosphere. I feel like all the condemnation and the guilt particularly on anyone who's had an abortion, has been lifted off of them. And they are free to come to the Lord. They are free to be forgiven. They are free to walk before God, washed, <clears throat> redeemed, and restored. <clears throat> There's something has changed in the atmosphere. Do you sense it? Do you sense something? Something has changed in the atmosphere. And God is pleased. And he has much more work to do. So we keep praying. We don't doubt. We keep praying and we don't doubt. We keep praying and we don't doubt. God moves according to his season, according to his plan. And we just need to hook up with that. Don't get impatient. Don't start asking why, when. Just trust him. Trust him and his plan because he's so pleased to accomplish it. So, Father, we thank you this day. I don't know what else to say but thank you for this great great victory of yours that your glory is poured out over all the earth and that this decision will not only affect our nation but other nations peoples all around the world father we pray over every state in our nation now and we pray over our governors and our congressmen and our leaders as they prepare to make laws concerning abortion. There are so many already who are preparing the heartbeat law or to completely abolish abortion in their state. And we thank you, Father. We ask you to give them wisdom. We ask you to give them protection. Yes, we ask that you raise up people to stand with them, that now it is time to be bold and to be strong. thank you, Father, that you're ministering to every person who's ever had an abortion, and you're setting them free. That you begin to minister to those that work in these abortion clinics, 
opening their eyes and setting them free. We thank you, Father, for those that work in the pregnancy crisis centers and the options for women, that you will protect them and you anoint them and that more and more women will be drawn to these places. Give you the glory, the honor, the victory. And we celebrate you because you are a good, good God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Our Redeemer, our Restorer. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to share a few minutes on a couple of things, and then there's a testimony that's going to come forth in a few minutes. Um, one of the things that the Lord is just reminding me of with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, he is reminding me that the church is the moral compass of society. The church should carry the moral consciousness in our culture. If we don't, who will? You and me, we uphold God's very conscience for certain things. And we get to speak it and say it. 1 Timothy 3.15, it says, Paul writes, it says, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of God. The pillar and ground or the foundation of the truth. So the church of the living God, this is where God's consciousness, his morality rests right in this place. And we get to share it and we get to speak it and uphold it within society. And we also get to speak the truth about the purpose, the meaning, and the value of human life. That's what the church is called to do. You know, what's so interesting, the three most polarizing issues of our day, abortion, the LGBT issues, and racism. Those things are so polarizing in our country, and yet here we as the church, we have the opportunity to continue to speak to true north. What's very interesting about these three issues, abortion, LGBTQ matters, and racism, is that they are all an attack on the value of human life. Every single one. What do you mean, Brandon? Okay, abortion. Abortion demeans the value of human life. Abortion belittles human life. It says, oh, a one-week-old baby in my womb, it's not as important or valuable as a 15-year-old kid, therefore, I can abort this child. Abortion demeans. LGBT community, 
distort the value of human life. They distort it. They confuse it. They say, I'm not valuable the way I am, so let me change myself. God made a mistake when he created me. Let me make the right changes. Racism. Racism dishonors the value of human life. Racism says, you know, God gave you a skin color, but because of that, I'm more valuable than you. So abortion demeans. LGBT issues distort and racism dishonors the value of human life. These issues, at the root of them, are directly a gospel issue. And what I mean by that, I want to make a statement. Why do I say it's a gospel issue? Because all human life comes from God, and anyone that demeans, distorts, and or dishonors the value of human life has declared war against God's value system, and thereby has become an enemy of God, and therefore it needs the gospel of God. In the gospel, we find God placing such significant value on human life that he was willing to forgive them of their offenses by making an exchange for them with the infinite value of his son. I'm going to read that again. Because all human life comes from God, anyone that demeans, distorts, or dishonors the value of human life has declared war against God's value system and thereby has become an enemy of God and therefore needs the gospel of God. In the gospel, we find God placing such significant value on human life that he was willing to forgive them of their offenses by making an exchange for them with the infinite value of his son. This is what we're battling with the world out there. They don't understand their value before God. And sometimes, honestly, here in the church, we don't understand our value to God. If we don't understand our value before the Father in here, they'll never get it out there. Jesus talks about in Luke 12, don't worry about what you'll eat and drink, all of those things. He says, do you not know how much more valuable, how much more value you have than the birds of the air? And sometimes we look at ourselves and think, man, what, what is about me? Like, why, why would God love, you know, a little old me? But you have to see God sees you differently than you see yourself. Think about this. We would probably all agree that we are not more valuable than Jesus Christ himself. But for some reason, God the Father chose to take the infinite value of his son in exchange for you, who's of a lesser value. There's significance, but the infinite value of Jesus, and he says, let me make a trade. I want you. 
You know what that speaks to? It speaks to your value before the Father. You matter, you are important. And the devil is attacking that in the church. He's attacking it in the world. And we must speak on these issues. Here's what Francis Schaeffer says. If we ache and have compassion for humanity today in our country and across the world, we must do all that we can to help people see the truth of Christianity and accept Christ as Savior. And we must stand against the lost of humanness in all its forms. It is God's life-changing power that is able to touch every individual who then has a responsibility to touch the world around him with the absolutes found in the Bible. In the end, we must realize that the tide of humanism with its loss of humanness is merely a cultural, is not merely a cultural ill, but a spiritual ill that the truth given us in the Bible and Christ alone can cure. So when I think about the issue of abortion and the overturning of Roe v. Wade, I also see women in the church being empowered to being the voice and leading in this direction. And men, yes, we have a part to play too. We're going to stand alongside women. We're going to stand behind them. We're going to be for them. But there's something about a woman speaking the truth of God's word when it comes to life. Because they're the carriers of life. There's a certain responsibility. There's a certain role women play that us men do not play. We do not carry babies in our womb. I saw a video on Facebook. A mom was on the streets this past weekend preaching to other moms, telling them to take care of their children and to raise their children. Don't abort your children. Birth them. Raise them. Take care of them. That's so much more powerful coming from her than from me. Now, that doesn't negate my responsibility as a man, but there's something about a mom doing that, a woman doing that. And I want to see women here and even this body begin to raise their voice and speak the truth. And us men, we will be with you. And all the men said... With that being said, a lady reached out to my wife and I in this body this past weekend and began to share part of her story and that as of this Friday, the Lord really confirmed to her that she needs to testify and speak out. And so I thought, you know what? Let me ask her if she'd be willing to share. She said, yes. And I, I honor her for this. I know it's not easy, but I believe this body will support, will love, and care for her the same way you would do anyone else, the same way you do your family. And so I want to ask Nadine to come on up. And her husband, Carlos, come on. So if you could just give her a few minutes of your time, she's going to testify. 
twice. <laughs> I haven't even started. <laughs> um, so about a year ago, I, the Lord had told me like this time was going to be approaching. Um, I find his strategy in his ways just so perfect. Um, Friday, I didn't even know what was going on. We, Carlos and I have so much going on in our life right now that like, I don't even keep up with the news, but I had a heaviness and um, even my, one of my kids, she noticed Annalise, she's like, mom, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. And actually I lied to her. I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I saw, <clears throat> I saw Facebook and I saw that Roe v. Wade was turned over and something really big shifted in me at that time. And it was hours that went by. I tried to go out with the kids and do what I know how to do best and that's suppress. I'm always in fight or flight mode. I've learned how to do it really well over the years. So I went out with the kids and I came back home and I got in bed and I don't ever get in bed with my clothes on. <laughs> so I got back in bed and I felt the Lord tell me it was time. It was time to start really sharing my testimony because I know there's power in my redemption story. Um, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read from what I sent to a few people within this body. Um, and the reason why I'm gonna read it is because I am nervous to be up here and I don't wanna leave anything of importance out of my testimony. So I'm gonna read it. So I'm gonna read exactly what I sent to a few of the elders. So if the timing doesn't really make sense, that's why. Today I choose to start sharing my testimony of healing on June 24th, 2022, a day in history as Roe versus Wade has been overturned. I grew up most of my adolescent life with a nuclear family which consisted of my mom, my dad, and my little sister. My dad was military and we traveled a lot. We had a good life by the world standards. By the age of 14, sadly, my parents decided to divorce. From there, my life, uh, the life of my sister and I completely shifted and changed. At that time, rebellion started to set in my life pretty quickly. I started to experiment with sex, drugs, and alcohol at a really young age. I learned quickly how to take advantage of having divorced parents. By the time I was 15, I had a fake ID. I was in nightclubs, and I really lived recklessly. All the things that I am not proud of, but they are part of my testimony. I was able to get things like tattoos without the consent of my parents. I could easily obtain alcohol and tobacco. I had a double life that my parents had no idea about. 
Fast forward to my junior year of high school and being 16 of age, 16 years of age, I discovered that I was pregnant. To this very day, my parents don't know this part of my life, a part of my life that I pushed deep, deep, deep down for many reasons. Only four people at that time knew of my pregnancy and I made the decision to have an abortion on my own with zero influence. It simply consisted of me calling a clinic in Tampa and making an appointment. On a Saturday morning, I arrived at my appointment at nearly 12 weeks long. A counselor told me what to expect, took limited health history, because what does a 16-year-old really know anyways about her health? They collected $500 and asked if I wanted an ultrasound prior to my procedure. I immediately declined the ultrasound. I knew that if I saw the ultrasound, that I would not have the abortion. So I declined. I was then brought to a room, and that's where the pre-op started. I was put under anesthesia, and during the procedure, I woke up and fought against the doctor in the pain. I was immediately pinned down and further sedated by the nurses. I woke up in post-op and was very sick and alone. My boyfriend at the time only drove me to and from the clinic. At that particular time, the relationship between my mom and I was so superficial that for weeks I had bruising from both of my arms from the IV sites and she never noticed. I think now how could she have not known that I was even pregnant? How could she have not even known that I had a major surgical procedure? But I too was very disengaged with my family, so I don't solely blame it on her. And from there, I went on and didn't look back on that part of my life. Fast forward now to 19 years of age. Um, I think that when you start living recklessly very young, by the time you approach your 20s, you're ready for other things. That is not, that's not, it's not important. It's not fun anymore to be out in the clubs and to be drinking and, it wasn't fun. It wasn't something I wanted to do anymore. So at 19, I met Carlos, and I got saved because of my amazing husband introducing me to the endless love of God. It was a life-changing time because I was raised in, in truly a godless home. However, that is about the time when the unforgi unforgiveness started to sink in related to the abortion that I had. From there, I was told I couldn't have children from my OBGYN, and they said that it could possibly be due to the procedure from the abortion. At the time around salvation, I went to a woman's retreat where I thought I had been delivered of my pain, but I wasn't. I only learned how to suppress my feelings instead. From there, I went to have and birth three amazing children, which I prayed so hard for, with every child born in the midst of joy also came sorrow. I would feel guilty 
for being so happy when I, my babies were born because the enemy would always come in and remind me of what I had done. When I miscarried in 2016, the guilt, I felt guilt during my grieving as I was reminded that even during a miscarriage, what I had previously done. At times when I would ponder on how blessed my life was, I would be reminded that I am who I am today came with a price because being 16 and a mother may have not allowed me to be where I currently am. When the topic of sin would get brought up during services, the enemy would creep in and whisper to me, you're the only one here who has committed every sin, including murder. Secretly, most compliments that I received over the years regards to being a good mother have brought pain because deep down I couldn't accept that I was a good mother. And I walked alone for 17 years with my pain. On the Sunday at church, when we had a healing and deliverance service, the Lord began to do a work. The fear of judgment, of sharing my, my testimony began to slowly fade. I truly forgave myself, and the healing began that morning. The Lord highlighted to me later that week that I was harboring unforgiveness towards my mother for not being aware and there for me, for not being more strict. I had partially been blaming her for my actions for years and didn't even know. To... The mental health issues related to my abortion did not happen until years later I was robbed of peace for years. I suffered from a severe anxiety, and I know that a lot of relationships around me were hindered. I know that many other women are hurting alone and in silence because of this kind of loss is very different. I'm here to tell you that it's time to forgive yourself, and today I stand very firm in being pro-life, and I'm thankful for the Lord's redeeming love. something here. You guys stay here. So he who is without sin can throw the first stone at them. No one in here has any stones to throw. No one can judge them. No one can judge Nadine because she's been forgiven by the Lord and he has the final say. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.